Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the AltMed podcast. Andrew Dowling here with me as always, my co-host Mitch. How you doing, Hello. Mitch? Hello. Very well, thank you. Mitch Kurtz in the house. Um, remember, if you like our podcast or you derive some knowledge or benefit from listening to it, um, please remember to hit like on all our videos and subscribe um, so you will get our latest episodes. Right, so today we are visiting a topic that I think we've tangentially had some contact with with some of our previous guests, but this one's going to be a full deep dive on all things terpenoid, terp, terpene related, um, and take us on that guided journey. <laughs> we um, terp, 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 terp. Um, to take us on that journey, we've got none other than Sam Barlow, who is the director and founder of My Terpenes. Sam, great to have you with us. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, really good to be here. Pumps. Well, we, yeah, we, we come across this topic all the time um, in conversations with doctors, in conversations with patients, um, a lot of talk about terpenes, but maybe before we do a bit of a Terp 101 crash course, can you maybe just talk to us about your background and how you fell into this world? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been involved in wellness, health, botanical science industry for about 12 years um, through my uh, non-public holding company, Hazelwood Herbals. So we've always done product development, research, um, uh, supply and private label manufacture for different uh, wellness and health brands. Um, basically just work with anything that's active and botanical. I've got a really deep love of uh, nature and science and medicine. Um, and so I've just kind of like followed my interest Um I should like come out on the record and say I'm like profoundly unqualified to give any um, any real information whatsoever. I haven't even been to university. Um, I'm a uh, just a passionate learner. Um, and the cool thing about STEM is that you know it's all just on there. It's all on the internet. So um, I use that as a, actually as an encouragement because anybody that wants to learn, although it seems kind of mystifying, it's really not. You just got to break it up into little bits for your curiosity. So I've kind of done that my whole my whole life, and then got smarter people around me. Um, to do the stuff that I couldn't. Um, and, you know, we've developed a lot of products, hundreds, I don't even know how many that have gone through other brands um, out to market, uh, mostly in Australia. Um, so we've kind of worked with, like, there's like a cycle every few years where we get a new focus. Um, terpenes have been the focus since 2018. So we initiated the commercial industry, terpenes in Australia. Um, we're banging on about them. Nobody wanted to hear about it. And now there's a big fervor around it. So it's cool. It's actually nice that... Uh, people want to hear about it because they're just such an incredible medicine. Um, I have uh, alleged medicine, I should say. <laughs> I have a, um, uh, my personal entry into it is my mom's got a lot of um, chronic pain. She's got uh, uh, osteoarthritis and a few other issues. So I was working on formulations for her, um, came across them. I've also just, you know, total cannabis fan myself um, and started diving deep and as I started reviewing the literature, um, I started getting very um, hyper fixated and excited. And when I got my hands on some, um, I was kind of blown away and that kind of started the journey. So, um, you know, we're a bit behind in this country. So I've always just looked to uh, the States really where they're pushing it forward um, and and then and then tried to innovate on our end down here. So, you know, we started off with isolates and therapy, uh, wellness blends, sorry, um, got into strain profiles and now just looking at... Uh, other novel applications, whether that's form factor or just new ways to present um, them to assist in uh, synergy medicine. And um, 
yeah, just just bring the thing forward. I mean, it's really cool that they're all the way through the the food chain already. They're they're very safe compounds. Um, we've been ingesting them for thousands of years. Um, they're one of the few kind of alternative wellness things that really um, just have a firm kind of acceptance already as far as uh, industry goes. So that's great. Um, and they're just wonderful because they smell great and they're all the way present through the natural world, which probably segue into explaining what they are. Um, but that's just a great way to kind of connect with them as well because you can, I mean, you, you're interacting with them every day. You're smelling them and consuming them um, all day long and they're in all your spices and and yummy aromatic foods. So um, people actually have a much deeper connection to them than they realised. Uh, it's just, yeah, now we're getting, getting around the science and stuff. Speaking of that segue... Do you want yeah. to tell us what they are? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Can I, can I scratch my nose? It's really itchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Um, so, okay. Uh, terpenes are basically the building blocks of essential oils. It's the easiest way to say it. Um, if you were to take one essential oil and uh, break it down into its constituents, it's going to be largely made of terpenes and terpenoids, right? Um, so they produce an essential oil by a uh, fractional distillation. What that means is they'll just take the, um, the plant material, they'll heat it up to a very particular degree. And once that, once that reaches a certain boiling point, the um, oil will volatize. It will turn from a liquid to a gas and it will evaporate up, get hit, hit a condenser and drip out. Right. And um, so turbines have actually given me a huge respect for essential oils. I used to just kind of write them off. I thought it was a bit of like a Facebook mom MLM thing, but like they're very, very powerful um, things. And there's a long tradition of ingesting them for medicinal use, specifically in the French um, tradition. Um, the English one is more like like aromatherapy, but yeah, the French tradition they use them a lot. Um, but so they're the building blocks of essential oils. Um, they're aromatic hydrocarbons. They're uh, lipids, which means they're oils, and they are very aromatic. So basically anything, any aromatic volatile plant that you smell. So whether that's like rosemary, lavender, orange peel, uh, lemon, um, anything else that, 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 that kind of um, beautiful aromatic vibe, uh, the terpenes are responsible for that. So um, yeah, the thing about essential oils, uh, while they're really potent and powerful because they contain so many of these different terpenes at different ratios, they're kind of a blunt instrument for health because to get an optimal um, dose of one of the terpenes in that essential oil, you might have to take too much of another terpene or not enough of one. So by um, continuing that process of fractional distillation and getting more granular with the uh, temperatures at which you extract um, the different ice terpene isolates, you can then make these uh, structured terpene blends that are basically a, a, a kind of synthesized essential oil but they have very targeted effects where you can really get the optimal dose of each isolate. Um, and so that just leads to a whole bunch of really cool uh, uh, therapeutic or wellness uh, or flavor applications. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what they are. Is it, did I explain, does anything else? That, that, that all made sense to me. And cool. I, I guess my question then is how many of these building blocks do we know about that exist in nature? Do we have any sense of, of this? Uh, it's over a thousand okay. terpenoids. Yeah. So cannabis, um, you know, usually contains like there's about 30 or 40 that turn up over and over again in cannabis. They're mm. not just made by plants. They're also made by insects. Um, yeah. They're also made by mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, they're also like the precursors for many other um, uh, things that plants produce. Right. So cannabinoids indeed are made from terpenes so like the there'll be a terpene and i think it's polyphenol inside the um trichrome and then there's a chemical reaction that happens that produces the um 
the cannabinoid. And so plants use the terpenes, uh, I think, largely for either biosynthesis or insect and pest, pest um, repellent properties. Um, and so the terpene, terpene expression in a plant will really be um, a reflection of what's going on in its environment. Um, if it's getting harassed by pets, if it's in drought, et cetera, et cetera, that will kind of change the terpene profile. Um, and yeah, they have those uses, but then they have this um, lots of affinity for um, different signaling pathways in the body. And that's where we believe that their therapeutic effect comes from. Um, the science is far from settled. That's why it's so exciting. And that's why an idiot like me can get in there and contribute to the culture because we really don't know. And so like, if you're curious, you can become a, you know, you can, you can become a, a thought leader in the space because it's, it's really fresh. I mean, we only knew the ECS um, existed uh, what, 23 years ago or something. So that is, um, that's very fresh. And then terpenes only really came uh, into um under the spotlight around 2011 with Ethan Russo's uh, work that he did that kind of kicks out of the whole thing. So, you know, we're talking about a, an emergent meta system in the body that's only been known about for 20 years. That's pretty incredible. And that means there's, there's just a lot to learn. And if we approach that with like curiosity and humility um, and with a spirit of collaboration, sharing information, then we can all benefit, you know? So that's kind of like, it's the mission that drives us. Um, we're very open with sharing the information that other people in the space will, uh, try to get guard, guarded on IP. And I just think that, you know, it, this information needs to be out there um, and we all need to take, you know, great benefit from these wonderful, um, abundant and safe compounds that are all throughout nature. I'm just thinking, yeah, I did read originally that a lot of the <clears throat> terpenes kind of exist to either attract or detract predators to, to plants, yeah. for example, things like that, you know, to either say, you know, go away, certain insect yeah. or, or, or yeah. come here be and pollinate me kind of thing yeah um so it's interesting to see that that connection and i wonder if that also has some kind of um application to, to humans in, in a similar way to some um, kind of in some kind of respect yeah especially for um they've all got almost all of them have got antimicrobial properties and insecticide properties. So there are like quite a lot of applications using them as natural insecticides for organic farming. Um, you know, topically they're great. Uh, certain ones are great for um, like the P. acnes, the, the bacteria that causes acne um, for infection control and all that stuff. Um, they really have quite a range of therapeutic benefits um, and they do cross over a lot, but like the main ones are, uh, well, it's actually so vast it sounds like snake oil, like um, anti-inflammatory, anti anti-nuceptive, which means pain relief, analgesic, which means relaxing. Um, uh, they, what else do they do? They are the neuroprotective. Um, they are uh, antibacterial. I think I already said that. There's probably a million other ones that I can't remember, but it's it's a long list. Um, and that's due in part because of the, the wider non-specific action they have. And we're still figuring that out. So... They work on many, many systems in the body, um, not just the endocannabinoid system. And they they work they affect those different systems in many different ways. You know whether that's um, through there's a little bit of direct affinity, like uh, one of them, uh, beta carophyllene or beta caryophyllene, depending on how you say it, has a weak affinity for CB2. But most of them work in these other ways, which are like um, they'll uh, interact with PPAR receptors, um, with NFKB, with um, but systems is kind of far away as I think uh, GABA GABAergic system. Um, so they kind of act as this priming, um, they have this priming function that uh, helps to dial up other uh, processes. And then because they have a low molecular weight and they're lipophilic, which means they love oils, um, they're very good at penetrating cells because cells have got this little membrane, which is a 
lipid membrane, I think, and um, things that aren't soluble in oil that are lipid, that aren't lipophilic um, have a hard time getting across. So that might be part of the um, the theorized entourage effect is that even if uh, they are having all these other actions, but they also could be helping um, bring the cannabinoids across and bring other things across the blood-brain barrier um, and increasing bioavailability and absorption as well. So it's it's kind of vast and deep and exciting. And we know, I think we know about 10% of what's going on, you know. Yeah. And basically they're, they're kind of like modulating the experience that you're having when you're smoking cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say smoking? I meant vaporizing. <laughs> You mean um, uh, taking your um, your your legal prescription via a TGA approved method, such as a vaporizer? That's that's what I said. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk about their role in cannabis if you want, or where do you want to where do you want to go? Well, I, I'm I'm curious because yeah, with cannabis strains, and they go under the microscope, just get this wild variation in the terpene profile of of two given strains. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of focus obviously around major and minor cannabinoids and, and these sorts of things. But do you, you mentioned at the outset that you think that terpenes are the better way to kind of classify cannabis as, as opposed from the kind of sativa indica dichotomy that, that we're used to hearing about. What can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So this is um, it's not, I mean, I agree with this view, but it's, I didn't kind of come up with it. It's definitely out there amongst um, pioneers in the space. Um, just in the sense that, you know, cannabis is also something we're learning a lot about. It was it was a underground recreational drug for a long time until we started looking into its therapeutic benefits because of the political stuff around it. And so um, although we've got a lot of knowledge, we've got a long way to go. And, um, you know, when they were starting to classify cannabis, they were looking at the morphology, which means like the way that the plant grows and you have the sativa indica um, dichotomy but the chemistry is not um it's, the chemistry is a better way to look at what's going on in that, inside that plant and, and it doesn't divide neatly across those two those two areas um also most plants are hybrid of some kind you know it's you don't get that many pure sativas or indicas out there compared to everything else um but we aren't you know we did notice that well there's all these like vastly different effects of strains and and, and what is that and um you know i don't want to discount indica and sativa as a factor but it seems to be, it seems to make the most sense from a first principles basis that those um, rapidly different, or vastly different terpene profiles present in the plants will uh, prime, modulate, and potentiate um, the cannabinoid receptors and other receptors in the body to produce uh, different psychoactive and non-psychoactive effects. Um, I've just noticed in my personal experience, like I, when, I, when I'm selecting a strain um, in, with my... Um, my clinical partner I, I look at the terpene profile to look at what do i need to get out of the strain um do i want something that um is going to help with my sleep or do i want something that's going to actually help me be creative and, and jam and be social and that kind of thing um and i, I definitely noticed that difference in that so um you're getting wide varieties of uh, terpene composition across the different strains um and the way that they activate or deactivate certain systems i think uh, is the the major factor for the difference between those strains because you know it's a dosage thing. Like if you have TH, you know, twenty percent THC or thirteen percent THC, where you can still you can um, modulate that just by dosage, right? If you smoke a bit more of a thirteen percent, you're going to get that same amount of cannabinoids in your system. But the way that those terpenes uh, interacting with your ECFs are going to modulate 
um, how those cannabinoids actually affect you. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's much more nuanced and, and kind of better way to look at stuff, I think. And I think most people are coming around to that. Yeah, I often use the example like <clears throat> if you drink alcohol, it's really the ethanol that gets you drunk in, in, yeah. in any given situation. But what's the difference between red wine or tequila or uh, gin or beer? You know what I mean? It's kind of comes down in some ways to terpene-like compounds within alcohol that give you that modulated effect of maybe one like tequila is more uplifting and red wine makes you a bit sleepier, for example. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, speaking of which, what are the main kind of cannabinoid or cannabis terpenes that we see out there and, and what are some of the purported effects of those yeah. said terpenes? Sure. So um, that was a really good analogy that you made and it's, it's helpful one with alcohol because we kind of uh, we're a lot more familiar with it and we know those effects experientially and that's the best way to learn about cannabis and terpenes is to um, go and and you know get different scripts and try different products and and, and study up on the terpenes and see how those um, how, how they affect you differently and you actually get that knowledge experientially or travel um, to but, America yeah go to a great <laughs> dispensary in Cali or something you know um, yeah. do it in the metaverse uh, yeah <laughs> But um, yeah, so main terpenes appearing in cannabis. So like, as I said, like, you, you're often finding 20 to 30 terpenes in the strain. Um, but main ones that turn up again and again and again are myrcene, limonene, linalool, uh, alpha and beta pinene, humulene. Um, they're usually there in quite high concentrations. So is terpinolene in certain strains, uh, terpeniol. Um, I'm trying to think. Majority of strains tend to have uh, a few of those as the dominant terpenes. Um, and then you've got kind of like a long list of other terpenes um, that will feature, but usually in small amounts. So I don't know, I could list them off, but it's probably just a bunch of words. Um, so if we can go through it, I guess like um, the effects are quite, the purported effects are quite um, wide and diverse because the ECS is a, is a non-specific system. It can have, it's kind of like you're giving your your ECS a prompt and then it will do with that what it kind of wants to do. So it does get a little bit hard to pin down, but um, beta-carophyllene or beta-caryophyllene um, has some weak signaling um, on CB2. Um, it's uh, fantastic for inflammation um, and for inflammation-related pain. Um, Myrcene is uh, analgesic and it's good for pain relief. Um, it appears to um, affect COX2 um, inhibition, which is a inflammation response to uh, cytokines and other stuff. Um, the pinenes, uh, so alpha pinene is great for like uh, focus um, and uh, clarity of mind, brain fog, motivation, that kind of thing. Um, it, it appears to interact with acetylcholine uh, sterase. I always thought it was an acetylcholine sterase inhibitor. I need to say that, um, but was reading up on it recently and it appears to um, not do that, but actually boost acetylcholine production. Um, so rather than stopping the um, the thing that breaks acetylcholine down, it actually just adds more. Um, Beta-pinene um, has been shown to um, influence the 5-HTA receptor. Uh, I'm not sure which one exactly. So that's kind of uh, mood enhancing, good for depression. Um, and so the two of them together, because usually all they often come as their semic mixture. Um, uh, really good for kind of clarity of mind, mood, and motivation. Uh, linalool is uh, so I believe it um, 
I mean, it's a sedative and it's a, um, it's good for pain. It's also good. It promotes wound healing, um, through a pathway that I can't remember. Um, it does have interaction with the GABAergic system as well. So that's, um, GABA being the major inhibitory transmitter that kind of, you know, you feel when you're drunk and when you're relaxed, um, so they've got these kind of primary ways that they work, but then they're, they often have, they're often kind of multimodal. So there's things like, um, positive allosteric modulation where they'll kind of uh, modulate um, other receptors, but they don't have a direct binding. Um, there's uh, there's increasing of PPAR receptors, which are, um, they, uh, they do like gene transcription and they regulate um, immunity and, um, and inflammation. I believe I'm probably, I'm probably, I'm probably butchering all this actually. Um, there's NFKB, <laughs> which is an, another like gene transfer um, thing. So there's like, there's all these different pathways that have been trying to work on and they often have a lot of kind of shared effects. Um, so when we're looking at creating like wellness blends, we kind of make these little clusters of um, little mini synergies, like little entourages with entourages, if that makes sense. And then try to stack them on top of each other um, to, to get uh, more targeted well, wellness outcomes. So is that like, you know, you, you make a blend of well-known uplifting terpenes, let's say, versus ones that are maybe more sedating and you can call one a little bit more sleep-oriented, let's say, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's that's what people are doing. Um, to be honest, like anyone can throw terpenes in a bottle and you'll get a pretty decent result. Um, you can take that a lot further by a lot of iteration experimentation, but they are pretty friendly. Um, so as long as you do it in a safe way, um, look at the LD and the um, NA, NO, no observed, what's that one? NOEL number, whatever that is. Um, keep those things safe. Um, you know, yeah, because it can get any- like a bit caustic kind of at certain levels from my uh, understanding. Yeah, look, best practice is to dilute them. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I just have them straight and I don't recommend anybody does that. Um, but I don't have any problem with that. But generally, we right. dilute them um, with a carrier like MCT to help um, absorption or hemp seed oil because that's cool because it's a hemp um, little hemp connection. Um, and that is that is the way I'd recommend taking them. Um, it depends. You know, they can be irritants. Uh, it depends on the sensitivity of the person. Um, in rare cases, they can trigger migraines. Like migraines can be triggered by strong smells. So um, mm, yeah. you, know, you should always always approach things carefully. Um, see how your body reacts but they do all have that uh, grass status which is generally regarded as safe so uh, when used appropriately at appropriate amounts um, they're accepted as, as very safe compounds how do you extract them from nature i know you sort of touched on before heating them to get an oil out but yeah. is this is this kind of just talk me through it if i wanted to say extract terpenes from a strawberry how would yeah. i go about doing that so um well, first you'd probably take out the essential. Okay, okay. so like like I said, every terpene is at a different boiling point, right? So if you put some plant material into a still, um, mm-hmm. and a still is just like a kettle with a heat plate that you can control the temperature of, and that will um, heat up the material that's in there. And then say you're targeting, um, say, alpha pinene. I'm trying to think of a terpene that I know the boiling point of off my hand so I can sound smart. Like I think um, I think beta-carophyllene is like 170 degrees. Or it's actually because it, it's a, a sesquiterpene. It has a higher boiling point. The larger molecule has a higher boiling point than the than the monoterpenes, which are a lot of them are monoterpenes like nursine, limonene, etc. So I, I do feel confident say saying that your knowledge of terps is at least nineteen hundred percent on Mitch and I. But um, <laughs> yeah, so you, can just, you can throw numbers. You'd hope so, though. We'll just it's my whole along. business. Like we'll just yeah, go yeah, with yeah. whatever numbers you, you throw at us. But 
Yeah, breaking sorry. down also monoterpenes versus versus the other would be great as well for everybody listening and who can't yeah. pronounce them like me. Monoterpenes. So if if I could like okay, so um it it refers to the um the amount of it's it's oh, I'm gonna sound so dumb. It's like it's 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 a hydrocarbon ring, and then I think monoterpene has one, and then the sesquiterpene has more. Um, so it's the molecular weight and size of the molecule. If I had one minute on Wikipedia, I'd give you like a, a much. Um, so we'll check this after, and if I've said it wrong, <laughs> um, but it, it's due to that. So there's different it's different structure of the molecule. So um, monoterpenes have a lower boiling point. Um, they have a lower molecular weight, and they're they're a simpler um, configuration. They're building blocks of these things called isoprene units. Um, which are these little hydrocarbon units and the way they link together and the structure depends on whether on the name of the terpene. There's, there's, I think, more than six. There's a monoterpene, there's diterpene, there's sesquiterpene, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Many of the ones that we're interested in are monoterpenes or sesquiterpenes. Um, So back to the distillation, basically, say uh, beta-carophyllene was 170 degrees. Um, You would heat the still up to 170 degrees and then you would be capturing, that would, would volatilize, it would turn into a gas, it would come up, it would hit a little condenser plate and drip out. And you'd be getting um, you'd be getting everything that's at that boiling point. However, you'd also be catching the stuff that's has a lower boiling point, right? right? I was so, say, yeah. yeah, they do that via fractional distillation where they'll start with the lowest, the thing that they're targeting that has the lowest boiling point. They'll take all that out first, and then they'll move up to the next one, they'll take all that out, and it goes on and on and on. So it's a very natural process, like um, alternative people like that. There's only heat and water. Um, you can say it's solventless, but water is a solvent, so it does it does contain a solvent. Um, but there's no, no technicality. Other, yeah, no other no other solvents involved, um, which means it's really quite quite yummy. Um, to get uh, to purify them further, you then have to do other steps, and you have to get kind of more granular with it. So um, most of the botanical terpenes are not pure, um, and the purity will come in. It depends on where you source them for, from and, and that kind of thing, but. Uh, the other impurities are just other terpenes um, that come across that share a boiling point, essentially. So like, um, say you're extracting uh, beta-carophyllene, you're also going to get some eugenol, you're going to get some alpha-carophyllene, also known as humulene, um, and a few other things that are present in, um, if, if this is if you're extracting from clove because it has those terpenes in it. If you're extracting from another plant species, you get a different profile as contaminants, but the contaminants are problematic because they're also kind of good things for, for health. Um, having said that, we always just try to get the highest purity possible just because um we're perfectionists like that so um yeah just always try to there's a few steps you can do to increase it uh we don't do any distillation ourselves that's something that happens um where there's a lot of agriculture it usually happens in the tropics because a lot of these plants are tropical plants so um we import um terpene isolates and then we do the compounding from there it's just a it's a cost thing if we were to do it ourselves here just, we wouldn't be able to um provide provide it at a price that was accessible and that's the other great thing about them is that they're a lot more accessible from price point um compared to cannabinoids um they're very safe and in many cases they work better um and that's not even coming from me it's coming from some of the pharmacists i work with they've had much better results um shifting their um, patients from cbd isolate products over to um to terpene products and getting better outcomes um so they've told me anyway so yeah. That's so, what, what's cool. kind of the, what is that price point for? Say, do, do you, is is it sold in like a ten mil or a thirty mil bottle? So, we're primarily a B two B company. Like, I'm here to help people get into the space um, if they're cool and, um, and, <laughs> and and want to be part of it. Um, so, we we do a little retail online, but it's 
it's like nothing pretty much our, the main part of our business is um yeah doing product development assisting with um creating structured blends and um, doing supply and that kind of thing so as far as what's out there in the market you're looking at um i think average is around 30 mil bottle that's it's like between five and ten percent diluted which is too weak in my opinion um retailing for around 60 to 80 bucks um you know, and say all of that, that's going to last you a month or something. So if you compare that with a, with a cannabis product, it's it's good. But they, you don't need to be one or the other. They're, they're great um, adjuncts to cannabis products. Um, it's fantastic if you just add other botanical terpenes into your cannabis products when you're doing your, uh, manufacturing. Um, they, they really synergize really nicely and they'll they'll stretch out your, um, your registered and legal um, cannabis product and you get a lot, you'll get a much better value from that um and much better health outcomes as well as, as far as what we've seen anecdotally there aren't heaps of studies in humans and it'd be really good to start doing those um there's a lot of work being done out there like in rat and mouse models and you know that's they have an ecs and it works but it'd be cool to see more human studies i think because um it's just been a, you know everyone's been very excited about um studying cannabinoids um and that's where the pet, focus pet, has been andrew's pet gopher responded amazingly to uh <laughs> His yes. critical, critical Kush blend. Yeah, my yeah, gopher had insomnia and I gave some <laughs> Mersene and he's yeah. doing really well, to be honest. His whole awesome. gopher mood has improved. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just been great. Great. Awesome. Uh, well, I have to say, when I was trying to explain it um, to people originally, I think I used an example, but I'm not sure it was 100% correct. I used to say, well, you know the thing that makes a watermelon tastes like a watermelon and they take that and they put it in bubble gum and then your mm. bubble gum now tastes like watermelon. That's terpenes. But I actually think reflecting on that, that was also flavonoids. Um, and esters. A lot of those fruit flavors are, are esters. Yeah. So okay. can, are you able, can you break down a little bit about the difference between terps and flavs? No. And, and <laughs> esters as well. I want to know no. why. I have a, uh, a I, I love that flavor of that artificial grape flavor that's, you yeah. know, you get it in like Hubba Bubba or something. I hate that I yeah. like it. I know it tastes nothing like grape, but is that what you just called es ester? What is that? I, I believe that's an ester, um, okay. but I cannot talk to you about the chemistry of that or flavonoids. I think you really... can use it to get into the know. United States. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> what do you need? Not, not bad. Is that the name oh, of the yes, entry? Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well done. It's a dad joke. You get a kid or what? Yeah, exactly. oh, practicing apparently. Practicing only. Um, <laughs> okay, but when going back to your point about um, people getting maybe a better effect off the terps versus an isolate, let's say, um, mm -hmm. can you talk to us about the what do you know about the entourage effect in in relation to terps? Yeah, so um, it's a shame that the entourage effect is such a cool sounding term because it's kind of inaccurate. Um, mm. And really, we're talking about synergy and polypharmacology. And so, synergy is a much better term because entourage is what, what's an entourage? You've got your star, which is what THC, what we thought it was, or maybe CBD. And then the entourage is just kind of the losers that hang around the star, making him look good, you know? Um, and that's not the case. Like, we're, I never we're thought talking, about that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about. Um, you know, uh, holistic integrated plant medicine. And that's the incredible thing about cannabis and what a diverse, vastly complex and like uncategor uncategorizable beast it is. You know, it just defies defies redu uh, reducing it to a couple of molecules and it's going to continue to defy it. I think that we're only at the start of understanding that. Um, but the interesting thing is that 
Um, well, first I'll say that the science on our charge effect is not settled. There's a lot of debate. Um, it's certainly settled in my mind, but then I'm not that don't even have, didn't even go to uni, so, you know, whatever. Um, but like, it's, the thing is that uh, there are, you know, you've got like a hundred chemicals in this plant and um, the beauty of synergy is that it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one plus one plus one equals five, right? There's some kind of thing that happens there um, where the sum total of all the components creates an emergent phenomenon or an emergent effect that is greater than those um, the individual values of those components. And terpenes play a huge role in that, but um, so do all the other cannabinoids. Um, so do the flavonoids, which I know very little about, um, the polyphenol. Um, probably there's probably stuff in there in the waxes as well. Like who knows? Like we're going to find out a lot more. Um, but with that, that all being said, um, terpenes, uh, they modulate and they potentiate cannabinoids um, via many, many different mechanisms. So the first and most obvious one is um, bioavailability, right? It's like uh, terpenes, like I said before, are very good at saturating um, cell wall and um, permeating blood brain barrier. Um, so they are solvents and they're fantastic solvents. And so anything that is going to help um, dissolve that uh, cannabinoid and help it um, penetrate deeper into the cell is going to have a modulatory and potentiatory effect. Um, so there's just that kind of that, that thing. Then there's uh, those methods that I mentioned before, positive allosteric modulation where they're priming the receptors. Um, there's also um, them act acting on their own on other um, parts of the ECS or indeed on other systems of the body that will then um, have a synergistic effect with um, the cannabinoids that are being consumed. Um, yeah, so like you've got you've got increased absorption, you've got standalone effects of themselves um, through different uh, pathways, and then you have um, modulation of um, the actual cannabinoid receptors as well. So it's quite diverse and makes a lot of sense that they would have an effect. And that's, that's why strains have such different different effects, in my opinion. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was just... So so basically, it's what you're saying is it's not just the entourage effect around gathering around a cannabinoid and like propping him up, but him or he or she um, but they but um it's it's more assuming the gender of a of the cannabinoid then mitch <laughs> Terp gender assumptions i'm sorry That's terrible. Um, but, but but basically you're saying you could it, you could take say three terpenes and put them together at, or you could take two terpenes and a cannabinoid and that would work potentially or there could be um you know five flavonoids and one terpene like there's all these avenues that we haven't considered yet that could be potentially beneficial yeah and then there's another layer of complexity in that in there in the sense that it's going into an individual's ecs that has a different level of uh tone right so um because these all of these things including cannabinoids have non-specific actions what that means is you're not going to get the same result every time it's, it's basically providing a signal and then the body will do with that what it feels like it should do with that um, so that makes it kind of, it makes it good, um, but it also makes it hard because it's hard to kind of lock these things down. And it, it's been a bit for the scientific community to get their head around. I mean, they're used to dealing with, you know, single molecules with, with one action. And now you're talking about a, a medicine with cannabis with a hundred chemicals in it that all have different actions, right? And that all have, all interact with each other to create different effects. And then that's going through another complexity layer, which is that every single person's uh, endocannabinoid system is going to take that information and do different things with it. So, you know, it's, you have to be a nerd and um, extremely uh, passionate and excited to want to get into it because it's a total dumpster fire. 
unless you're really interested in it. And then it's just like endless it, hours of fun. On it is bed. amazing. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like that there's, it's, it's daunting how that prospect of the, you know, complex systems that exist within the cannabis plant and, and within our own human biology and, you know, the unique outcomes that you get from the fusion of those two things. But I think to a young and, you know, motivated researcher, you know, the prospect mm -hmm. of actually not just going and working in an R&D lab for, a you know, a big pharma and just focusing on single molecules. I don't know. I think it's really, really exciting. I like that we're only at the precipice of this whole research frontier at the moment. It's, um, yeah. it's a, it's a very, very exciting time. I, I just wanted to ask, um, as well about just with your, you know, deep diving into this topic of terpenes and, do you find yourself now just with food that you eat or, you know, something that you're oh, drinking? Man. Do you just annoy people in your life by giving them like a terpene profile tasting notes almost when, uh, whenever you're eating or drinking, like, how does this go? Yeah. All the time. Um, <laughs> my, my partner just, just tells me to shut up now. Um, I, I, um, actually we posted a video on this the other day. Like I got a, um, park across from my house and I go on terpene walks, I check in with certain trees, see how they're going with the ones that have the smells that I like. Um I can't drink like I like craft beer and like I'm just I, it's like a musician going to a like a jazz thing. You, you don't really enjoy the music because you're like, oh what's that? And so like I drink I drink some like fancy hot beer and I'm I'm trying to pick apart the terpene profile because that's all of what craft beer is, just different terpenes in, in the yeah. varieties they use. Um, so it's a bit of a burden and a curse, but it's, it's really fun and it's really cool to develop the, the nose for it. And I guess like part of the message that I want to say is that this is a really, like you, anybody can learn this stuff. It seems, um, overwhelming and there's a lot of scientific terms, like you really don't need to know any of that. You just need to go out and have direct sensory connections, follow your curiosity, um, go, uh, like pick up, pick up your orange, you know, smell it and, um, look up terpene profile of commercial orange species have Wikipedia open, just go down multiple rabbit holes. Every time you get to a word you don't understand, just look that one up and do that while you're smelling the, um, the terpene that you're thinking about. And um, because the terpene, because uh, aroma goes directly into the hippocampus and does, passes those abstraction layers, like you, you're, you're actually getting this very tactile sensory um, experience with the plant and that information will start to go in and you start to, to spit out these terms um, that confuse people. But to really understand something, you know, you should be able to explain it to a child. And um, I don't think we should hide behind, like, like I, I love, I love getting into the weeds and nerding out and, and having the correct um, terms, but, uh, and that is great and fulfilling and very important, especially if you're developing things. Um, but anybody can connect with this, with these things, because they're just, we're, we're interacting with them all day and it's fun, you know, it's just nice and fun. And um, the world does start to come alive to you and look a little differently, you know, like. Absolutely. Um, I've always, yeah, I've always been bad at math um, and I'm trying to change that now. Um, that was mostly due to, just due to my like crappy teachers and stuff at school. But when I see like a, a physicist talk about the beauty of an equation, like there's a whole world of beauty out there that they can't see. And I have like a desire to see that. And so I'm trying to learn math so I can appreciate that entire universe of beauty that I'm blind to. And the token thing is something I've, I've landed on now where the world has a different color to me because I'm tuned into the smells. And um, it's greatly enhanced my life and makes me happy. You know? well, totally. The, the olfactory yeah. sense is the most closely linked to memory, I yep. believe. So, That's right. so it, you might be trading your memory. You'd be uh, light yeah. years away from Alzheimer's in old age. 
Yeah, totally. And actually, obviously, that's a fantastic way to learn about a terpene is to be smelling it as you're learning it. But I've also been experimenting with just smelling things when I'm learning stuff that's not terpene related because I think it does make that connection. You know, so hmm. um, if you if you're trying to learn something that's hard, like have it associate a particular smell with it, smell it as you're taking in the information, and I find I do get better retention that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I I've um I found it's you know going into this space, it, it's made me appreciate just you know, seemingly mundane things that you might be doing in life, like, you know, just cooking a meal yeah. and you might be, I don't know, chopping some garlic or, mm. you know, getting some lemon rind prepared. And yeah, just if you actually immerse yourself in the aromas of, of what you're cooking and how complex, depending on the strain of the lemon or, or whatever the different um, variations might be. Lemon strains. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's not one type <laughs> of lemon, right? There's lemon haze. There's lemon, no, um, but uh, <laughs> lemon kush. <laughs> but it's yeah, it really um, yeah. Speaking, I think it's speaking of which, speaking of which, at the coal face of the terp scene, yeah. what 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 do you see in terms of um, flavor preferences or like what are people do you think gravitating towards? Surely you'd get, let's say, repeat orders on certain types more than others. Mm. pinene if they're into craft beer that's just a that's my guess yeah yeah it's it's definitely a taste thing um and it depends on how much the person knows because if you don't know much about cannabis strains you're probably going to pick og kush you know and like don't get me wrong that's one of my favorite strains like it's got an incredible profile and i, I just love it but um it can be overwhelming. So you'll probably just pick the ones that you've heard. Um, if you're, if you're an enthusiast and a nerd about it, then you'll, you'll be going for the flavors that you like. Um, and so they'll go for different things, but then it comes down to personal taste as well. So people um, for the, the un, uneducated nose, people tend to go towards the fruity, um, fruity strains. Um, so stuff that's high in mercine, limonene, um, and a little bit of little for that floral note or something. Um, but then, you know, some people like that really dank, diesel-y, cheesy stuff, and that's kind of more um, the terpinoline and um, maybe even the fenchel or the other kind of really earthy um, terpenes that are that are present in those strains. So it is a taste thing and it doesn't, you know, we do have obviously have um, profiles that are more popular, but I'm not sure if it can be, yeah, how much of that is just what people know and how much is what they're yeah, going fair. for. Yeah, yeah. Fair. But maybe on the, on the monoterpenes. Sorry, like maybe on the mono terpenes, like let's say limonene, like actually choosing select terpenes. Do you think people are going more so for the smell and flavor, or are they going more for the effect? Um, again, it's an education piece, so I think um, more and more people are going to be looking at the terpene profile to determine what strain they want. It's it's what I certainly do, um, and it's what everybody that I know um, who knows a chunk about cannabis does, um, rather than the cannabinoid content. Um, you got to remember too, a lot of these are recreational strains that have just been bred. I mean, they've been bred for THC, but the, the terpenes have been kind of like uh, inadvertently bred for because that is the way that people interact with cannabis when they have it. They smell it, right? And they go, oh man, this smells really good. And so like we've kind of selected for that as well. Um, and then also the terpenes having the on-charge effect will make, you know, um, a strain with the same level of THC appear to be stronger or more creative or better for pain or whatever. So that even though people weren't aware of them, they still were selecting for those terpenes. But now there's a lot more awareness of um, the modulating uh, 
powers of the terpenes and the strains. And so people are kind of choosing on that basis. And I think it's a really good way to go um, for now anyway, until, until more information comes up. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's been uh, quite an interesting chat, I have to say. Um, this Look, it's something we get asked about all the time. It's something that's kind of, I still feel at this moment, a bit of a dark art, the uh, the terpene blend. So you're definitely leading leading the way on that. We've got a lot of, you know, different um, doctors and, and pharmacists and, and educated professionals that's saying, talking about terpenes and, and you know tr trying to figure out exactly where that might sit or how it might help their patients so it's very interesting to hear it um dare i say it from the horse's mouth um <laughs> so thank you so much for for sharing that wisdom and, and coming on the show and and really um imparting a bit of knowledge for some of the guests or some of the people that um that listen in I feel like it's yeah, there's going to be people wanting to um, get in on some of those little park adventures and excursions that you do, where you, uh, no you know, just take us for a bit of a guided turp tour. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm happy to take people walking, but you know they they can do it themselves. Like take your phone, have Wikipedia, um, go smell a plant that you like, look it up, look up a paper, look up the terpene composition. It'll give you a full breakdown of what's in it. Um, if you don't know what they are, it's kind of hard to pick them out. So maybe buy a few isolates from some company somewhere and then you can kind of smell them and, and pick it out. Yeah, there's one um, called but, Mine Terpenes, actually. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can, I, can I just add one thing to this before we, before we wrap, though? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, I think, uh, okay, how do I say this? Is this about Andrew Gofer? <laughs> he's, he's doing well ultimately yes um so, sometimes we, like we're always trying to pursue knowledge right but sometimes um we uh we're too focused on the answer to a question and not what what's the correct question to ask and the way we ask the question um will define you know the information that we get and, and the scale of that information and so we're coming out of a time of um uh, specialization and, and reductionism, right? And from the scientific method that started um, when it started um, from the industrial revolution onwards. And that period has given us just huge advancements in our technology and our understanding of, of uh, very granular parts of the world. Um, and we should be really grateful for that. And we need that to play a, a strong role in the future. However, um, the reductionist uh, magic bullet hypothesis of single actives and single effects in this very mechanical Newtonian sense um, is has massive blind spots and cannabis being the amazing teacher it is is showing us um that there's you know that that putting certain elements together there is a cumulative force and an emergent phenomena that comes out of it that um is greater than all the parts i just did it on my podcast an episode with uh, jimmy willumban and we talked about this we talked about um you know think of the concept of a, of a whirlpool or a vortex you, you have water and you put um motion into that and then you get this thing this this beautiful whirlpool that is an emergent phenomena of those two things it is worth more um than those two inputs um in the same way if you give a um a baby, he will tell you that there's no difference between those two and there aren't chemically but there's emergent phenomena that comes out and so when you go into anything deep enough, you end up in this kind of meta philosophical place. And so we're, that's where terpenes is taking me in the sense that we've had this great uh, time of diving deep into reductionism and into, um, you know, really pulling apart the specific um, functions and actions, but that's created a whole host of um, emergent problems in the world today. And we're more interconnected than we ever have been before. And so I believe that 
transitioning from this uh, reductionist uh, paradigm to, to one that's more holistic, more integrative, and more um, respective of synergy, um, and probably a bit more humble as well, um, will give us our best chance to uh, meet the emergent problems that we that we're facing today. I couldn't agree more with with all of that, and you know, it, it's kind of the proof is in what we've actually been doing to date. So when you give two people the same single molecule in that reductionist yeah. model, they they're not going to necessarily experience the same effects from that. So yeah, it's and I like the thing you said at the end there about just being a bit more humble with the way that we that there doesn't need to be you know, oh, I've got the cure, mic drop, bang, you know, yeah. now I can make bang as a, as a big pharmaceutical company. It's, we really need to be working more collaboratively and more thoughtfully and understanding that, you know, how someone is and when you see them in everyday life is, you know, not just the result of, you know, it, it's, it's so complex. It's, it's how much they slept the night before it's what they're eating. It's, there is yeah. so much going on and we, we really need to be understanding that all of those factors are, are inputs that, that really do determine our overall health. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, completely agree with that. And yeah, the, the sooner we move away from the, this kind of, single reductionist model the better because everyone is different um every plant is different we, we just we have to accept these things but um yeah any final thoughts uh at all sam the thing is i i have a lot of respect for that model um and we shouldn't throw it away we just need to um we need to kind of hold our views lightly enough that we can um appreciate other perspectives of the same truth you know and so it's, it's that integrative thing that will, 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 will give us the best outcomes, I think. Absolutely. Especially if you want to get the best quality care for Andrew's. <laughs> just dropped out there, Mitch, but I think you were <laughs> making reference to my gopher again. Um, and for anyone listening, by the way, I don't really actually have a gopher, but I'm thinking about it after this episode. <laughs> yeah. I'll also take this opportunity to plug my podcast. Um, so yeah, yeah, please. Uh, yeah, so it's called Infinity Node. Um, where we uh, explore the hidden and emergent connections between the inner and outer worlds, looking at science, philosophy, all the stuff I'm interested in. Um, it's not released yet. We've just recorded the third episode with uh, Cameron Rosen. So I don't know when you guys get to publish this, but it should be out pretty soon. Um, so yeah, Infinity Node with Sam Barlow. Go check it out if you like this. Unreal. Thank you. And we've had Cameron Rosen on here and we're having him on again because he's Good. such a legend. So yeah, he is. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. All right, right, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Till next time. Take care. Yep. Bye. Cheers.